Proverbs chapter number 8. We looked at the beginning of the passage and went to the end for a conclusion, but the Lord wouldn't let me walk away from these uh, rich, the rich portion here in the middle of the chapter, beginning in verse number 13. So we're going to look at, uh, beginning in verse 13, uh, titled the study, The Wisdom of Fearing the Lord. Uh, we're going to talk about it, but you find that phrase uh, talking about the fear of the Lord repetitively in the scriptures. So notice verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. Now, before I go on, remember we talked about how wisdom takes on personality here, even to where you could identify it as the Lord Jesus Christ. You see that in chapter 2 as well. I am understanding, wisdom says. I have strength. By me, kings reign and princes decree justice. By me, Again, wisdom speaking, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. That phrase, the fear of the Lord, is found 30 times in the Bible that I can locate. 14 of them are found here in the book of Proverbs. In fact, turn back a few pages, Proverbs chapter 1. Verse number seven says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What Solomon, obviously, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying is there is no true knowledge apart from this right attitude of the fear of the Lord, this right relationship with God. So, the fear of the Lord is foundational to our knowledge, and it is found as a close synonym to wisdom. Now, wisdom begins with the fear of God, but notice the second half of verse 7 there. Fools despise wisdom and instruction or discipline. Now, the Bible is not teaching that those who reject God have no knowledge or understanding of anything. Some very brilliant minds have rejected the reality of God. But what the Bible is teaching, that those who do reject God and his wisdom, his knowledge, those are those that are addressed here in the scriptures as fools. They don't see the big picture. They may be able to see instrumentally some aspect they can be a brilliant scientist they may be a an amazing economist they may be a, a fantastic writer but they can't see the big picture because they don't see god in the picture 
They don't see how God is the one who is in control and God is the one who directs and decides and raises one up and puts another down. So we see this phrase, the fear of the Lord, turn back to our text and go forward one chapter to chapter 9. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is a beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of, of the holy is understanding. Chapter 10, verse 24, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. So you just get a little taste how that phrase is repeated so often in Proverbs. But you have to tie, if you put notes in your Bible next to chapter uh, 8 and verse number 13, or if you have a Schofield reference Bible, you can circle it. It's in the center margin. It puts as a cross reference Psalm 19.9. Psalm 19.9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now, I've, I've said it to you so many times, I have no clue how many, how this word fear speaks of a reverential awe, a respect, a recognition of the awesomeness of, of God, but it also includes what chapter 8, verse 13 is telling us, a hatred of evil. So to fear God is to love God, to adore God, to be amazed by God, but also to have a hatred of evil. And you see these two thoughts tied together, these two truths, maybe a better statement, tied together in several places. Psalm 16:6, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, but by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So if you have that right attitude toward God, you're going to seek him, you're, you're gonna flee from evil. Uh, Psalm 97:10, ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints, he delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Psalm 119, 104, through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. So you're seeing a love for God, a love for God's truth, a seeking after God, a desiring to know God, which includes with it a hatred of all that is against God, all that is anti-God, all that is in the big world or big word evil. One more, Romans 12, 9, let love be without dissimulation or hypocrisy, abhor, hate that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. So Psalm, I mean, Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Billy Sunday, who had a pithy way of putting things, he said, you cannot love the flowers and not hate the weeds. You can't love God and not hate evil. That's a practical, you remember that, it sticks with you. So three thoughts about wisdom that we see here in this brief passage. Number one, we see the piety of wisdom. Simply that wisdom is inherently, God's wisdom is inherently holy. I use the word piety because I'm 
carried away with the alliteration. God hates evil. So if we seek God and his wisdom, it, not only will that help us live our life in a fulfilling, successful uh, way that accomplishes what God wants to accomplish, but that will inherently cause us to have a hatred for that which is against God. This word evil is a big picture word. It means that which is bad, that which is wicked. It's used throughout the Bible over 600 times. Sometimes it speaks of evil people. Sometimes it talks about the evil actions of people. But it is a word that encompasses everything that would fall into the category of sin or unrighteousness or ungodliness. You find it in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. They were told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The word was there. It's found in the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi 2, which we have been uh, looking at Malachi recently, though we've not looked at this passage, verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet ye say, wherein have we wearied him? When ye say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? So God's wisdom naturally includes a hatred of evil. And he gives us four specific types of evil that wisdom will hate. Now, if I were to ask you if you could name four sins that we ought to hate, wonder what they would be. There are certain sins that get our righteous and sometimes our unrighteous ire up. To think of somebody abusing an innocent child, that, that gets me worked up. There, there are all kinds of those kinds of sins. Notice the four that God wants us to consider. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Number one, pride. Well, pride's a bad thing, but come on. It should be number one. Well, turn back to Proverbs chapter 6. Verse 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look. Number one on the list. Why is pride such a great evil? Well, in its root, pride is a great evil because it shows itself in self-dependence rather than God-dependence. And what is it that God wants us to do? God wants us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not into our own understandings. In all our ways acknowledge him and he'll direct our path. So number one, if we're going to have God's wisdom, we will hate any evidence of pride. Number two, verse 13 goes on to say arrogancy. Arrogancy. Now, that's not a common word that we would use today. In fact, spell check on your computer goes crazy telling you how badly you spelled it. 
We would speak of an arrogant person. We say, well, that's like pride, isn't it? No, arrogance is the result of pride. Because arrogance causes us to lift ourselves up and to look down on others. The word translated arrogancy means exaltation, majesty. This is the person who wants the attention. Or as one writer put it, it is pride in practice. How do we see arrogancy? It can be shown in the wrong tone of voice, sharp words that are unnecessary, cutting remarks, domineering actions that puts others down, trying to make yourself look better, overruling or overpowering somebody by our personality. It's just basically a superior attitude that I'm better than this. I, I would never do that. That would never happen in my life. Be careful. But the word isn't always translated arrogancy in the scriptures. Let me read a few verses. They all have that same Hebrew word. Proverbs 16, 18, it's translated pride. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We were going to put it in line with our text. We would say arrogant, an arrogant spirit goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Job 35, 12, there they cry, but none giveth answer, because of the pride of evil men, because of the arrogance of evil men. Jeremiah 48, 29, we have heard the pride, the arrogance of Moab. He is exceeding proud, his loftiness and his arrogancy and his pride and the haughtiness of his heart. The fear of the Lord is wisdom. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. What are we to hate? Pride, we're to hate arrogance. Thirdly, we're to hate the evil way. Now, the word way talks about a path or a habit or a direction or in a broader sense, the course of life. So we are to hate any direction, any pathway, any course of life that would be identified with evil. And it's interesting, I think each of these terms are building. Pride leads to arrogance. Arrogance leads to an evil life or an evil way. Proverbs 28.10, Whoso causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit, but the upright shall have good things in possession. These things are listed as evil that we should hate. I don't know the last time you would have said, you know, I really just hate when there's any evidence of pride in my heart. Ah, well, we think that's, that's part of our human nature. Oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. No, God says we ought to hate it. Pride, arrogance, the evil way, and fourthly, the froward mouth. Some people who 
just out of inexperience or not being instructed, they see that word and they think, oh, you know, there must be a misprint in my Bible. The forward no. What's a forward no? No, it's a froward no. There are a couple of different words translated froward. One means uh, distorted or crooked. Another one is a little stronger. It is comes from a word that means perverse or a perverse thing. Discretion, Proverbs 2, verse 11 and 12 says, Discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things. Now, in your life experience, you've probably had encounters with people who took what was basically truth and twisted it just a little bit to give a different implication or accusation. They just twist it a little bit. That's this word. People who take that which is good twist a little bit to use it evil. Now, the extreme examples would be you know people that would speak in double entendre and use innocent words to convey a very uh, non-innocent truth look at back in Proverbs chapter 4 verse number 12 I'm sorry 4 verse 24 not verse 12 the Bible says, put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Can I just pull aside here and make a practical application? We do need to be very careful as believers about what we say in using the terminology of the world. Remember, God's name is holy. We're never to use God's name in a vain, empty, meaningless way. I know you're surrounded by it, but you need to be very careful about using the phrase the world uses all the time. Oh my God. We're to use his name in reverence and holiness and worship but not in a vain, empty way. There are all kinds of euphemisms. Those are substitute words that don't have the same vulgar meanings. Be careful. I mean, it, it draws you up short when you read the verse of Scripture that says, and we'll give an account for every idle word. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but if it means anything close to what I think it means, we're all in a heap of trouble. A froward mouth. Make certain that what you say is true. Now, unintentionally, you may, you know, get the facts messed up. My wife says I do that with every illustration I tell from our family. It's how I remember it. Of course, I'm right. But, uh, you know, it's, if it's unintentional, that, that's one thing. If it's intentional to get a desired 
affect that frowardness. That's frowardness. Turn over to chapter 6. Verse 12. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. Verse 14. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. So any attempt to create conflict is frowardness. One more, chapter 10, verse 31. Chapter 10, verse 31. The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. Does that give you an idea that God takes this seriously? That's serious, folks. So we see the piety of wisdom. And notice the very last phrase of verse 13. He adds three words, sort of like for emphasis, these four things I do hate. Twice in verse 13, God says his wisdom emphasizes a hatred for that which is evil, and a love for that which is good. But secondly, we notice beginning in verse number 14, the possession of wisdom. The piety of wisdom, you love God, you hate evil. The possession of wisdom, what does, what does wisdom inherently possess? Counsel is mine. Sound wisdom. I am understanding I have strength. By me kings reign and princes decree justice. By my prince, by my, me princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. We see this wisdom is speaking. Wisdom says this is part of me. This is what I possess. I am the... Uh, Wisdom is the essence of these characteristics. You know, too often we think of wisdom as we go to God's vending machine, we push the right button, he gives us a little bit of wisdom, and we dispense it on this activity, and we have to go back and get more regularly. No, wisdom is the reality of the Lord himself. And as we are walking in the Spirit, and as we are walking in Christ, or walking with the Lord, we are walking in his wisdom, and this is all what is shown out through him in us. He gives us wisdom, he gives us understanding, he gives us strength, and he gives us the ability to do all that he wants us to do. So notice these four things real quickly. Wisdom is the source of counsel. Unfortunately, there's some passages of scripture we only consider around Christmas time, which is sad because Isaiah 9, 6 is one of those passages that is 365 days a year valuable, where it tells us that the Lord is wonderful, a counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. He is our counsel. He is counsel. The word means the ability to make decisions that are beneficial for all, not beneficial for you. We all need counsel, folks. 
And sometimes, for whatever reason, we don't seek counsel from, uh, from other people. That's personal choice. The Bible says, uh, you know, our ways are protected in the multitude of counselors and so on. But Romans 11, 33 and 34 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? Do you notice how these same terms are repeated? Wisdom, judgment, understanding, counselor. God's wisdom counsels us, if we'll listen. He counsels us. Now, it's not wrong to go to a human counselor. It can be very beneficial if they're biblical. There's a whole lot that are called Christian counselors that are not biblical in their counsel. But the Lord himself is a perfect counselor. Remember, when you go to a human counselor, they, they, their opinions are human opinions. The value of what they say is when they point you to the truth of God's word. But you will never fail with God's counsel. Wisdom gives counsel. Wisdom, secondly, produces understanding. Understanding is not knowing things. Understanding is applying God's truth. So understanding gives us discernment, insight. An ability to see the root of the matter. You know, quite often, we get pacified with dealing with surface issues and we never get to the root of the matter. But to really resolve it, to really cut that noxious weed of discouragement or sin from our hearts, we have to get to the root and dig out the roots, right? You can, you can pull you know, some vine from your backyard, guess where it's going gonna, it's gonna to be back next year unless you dig out the roots. Proverbs 1-2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive, to understand the words of understanding. You have insight. Proverbs 4-1-2, hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to know understanding. I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. Thirdly, he says, wisdom gives strength. I have strength. God's wisdom and his, the good judgment he gives, the understanding he gives, gives us greater efficiency to live the life he's called us to live. In fact, in another book that Solomon wrote, of course, it was all by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but Ecclesiastes chapter 9 as an older man then, he said in verse 16, wisdom is better than strength. Wisdom, you know, what is the old saying? Don't work harder, work smarter. Work smarter. That's true in God's work. That's true in rearing your family. That's true in managing your finances. That's true in every aspect of life. And wisdom gives authority. In verses 15 and 16, kings reign, princes decree, princes rule, nobles, even all the judges of the earth. And the point being, when we really tap into Christ as our wisdom and that shows out in our lives, no matter where we go, we will have an opportunity to be a blessing by leading. 
Leadership is not a position appointed. Leadership is a natural outgrowth of your character and your walk with God. If you're always trying to get people to follow you, but nobody does, it may be because there's no wisdom involved. But people naturally gravitate to somebody who demonstrates wisdom in their life. It gives them authority. Well, our time's gone, so just let's look at the last point here. The piety of wisdom, the position, uh, possession of wisdom. Notice lastly, the profit of wisdom. Verse 17, I love them that love me. Those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me. Yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. You know what I, lo I love about verse 17? I know I mentioned it last week, but wisdom is not hard to gain. It's not hard to find. If you seek it, you'll find it. Wisdom loves those that love her or love it and allows everybody that seeks for wisdom, searches for wisdom, to gain wisdom. And as a motivation, he mentions that there are rewards that come with this right relationship with wisdom. He mentions wealth, he mentions honor, he mentions the ability to live a righteous life. Now, when the Bible speaks about wealth, it is not always talking about that which is monetary. But it is enduring because you live in a wise way and you lay up treasures above where moth and rust cannot corrupt and thieves cannot break through and steal. So wisdom produces true, lasting prosperity that is righteous without regret. It's eternal, and it reflects the goodness of God. William Arnault, in his commentary from, I don't even know, a long time ago, a very long time ago, he tells a little parable about some people who were going to settle in a new land, and they had loaded their ship with seeds, so as soon as they landed, they could plant a crop so they, they would have you know, a harvest in the fall and be able to sustain themselves that first year because they were landing in spring. So they set sail and they had a successful voyage. They landed at the new land. As they were exploring the new land, they found that the soil was good and there was some wild crops already there. And so they availed themselves of them. But while they were checking out their new environment, they found a gold mine. And the gold was like on the surface and they went crazy to mine the gold and they had piles of gold and stockpiles of gold and time was passing by. And it got to be late fall heading into winter before they realized they had never planted a harvest for the next year. They tried to plant their, their seeds but it rotted in the ground and produced no harvest and they die, they, they, many of them died the next year because of starvation, because they were so 
fascinated with the gold, which they could not spend and they could not market, which really had only value in their minds and didn't have the wisdom to plant the crops so that they could thrive and survive for years to come. I'm afraid many people are giving up the privilege of rearing a godly family for gold. They're losing sight of opportunities to serve God today because of someday they will. You know, I've had three or four guys in these years, I, I didn't stop and write down, I can recall though at least that many who said, you know, Pastor, I'm, I'm working so hard now so I can retire early and then I'm going to serve God. You want to know how many of them I know of are? Zero. Because like one of the multi-millionaires of, of the years gone by, when asked, how much money do you need? He said, just a little bit more. It's seductive. It's seductive. We need to live with God's wisdom, living according to God's priorities, understanding that the benefit of that wisdom, the reward of that wisdom, can never be lost because it's eternal. The fear of the Lord is wisdom. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And as much as we claim and sing, and I'm not doubting the sincerity, oh, how I love Jesus, we ought to just as equally declare, oh, how I hate sin. That sin in our hearts that we, do, that we excuse, that pride that shows up, that looking down on others because of whatever's going on that evil path that we allow, that we wink at, that we think won't ever harm us because no one knows. And yet he does. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. So while the fear of the Lord is a beginning of wisdom, let's remember it is a hatred of evil.